Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to Dark Yarnus. If I could say the fucking word. Hey, baby. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Dark Yarnus, your weekly stitch and bitch where we spin you a tale. Most strange and unusual. I'm Krista, and I wish I could breathe out of my nose. I'm Tracy, and my brain is soup. <laughs> Good soup. Good soup. Good soup. I uh, did a... Um, I, I covered for a coworker uh-huh. on the walk-in clinic shift and I love it. I do, but good God. Oh yeah. Three 14 hours in a day is mind numbing. I loved it though. That's I good. am looking very much forward to these next four days off. Cause oh, hell yeah. like in my brain, when, when I, when I come back home from work, I just do not have the motivation to do anything. Yeah. And you know, like <laughs> Now I actually have the motivation to do things and I have four days to do it. Yeah. Instead of, you know, two days of a weekend. There you go. So this is I think I, I think this is a position I want to gun for eventually, but I liked it. It was it was a good week. Tiring, but good. Hell yeah. I think that'd be good. I definitely don't miss I don't miss 14 hour days at all. But I also we um sorry, I need to adjust. Okay. <laughs> uh but working it was a catering gig I did at the time at the hotel. Um oh. And we wouldn't, it's not like we would have work three 14 hour days and then have four days off. It was, we're working two weeks straight without a day off. And a lot of these are 14 hour days. Oh, gross. No, no, no. no. Don't, don't. I could not do that. That I could not do. That breaks your body and soul. (laughs) Yeah. I hated everything about that, but I don't work there anymore. And I haven't for like four years now. So that's good. You hear that too? Is that some like telltale heart bullshit? What the fuck? Ah! Ah! <laughs> okay. I sincerely hope that's. Let's keep it in. Maybe it's just on our end. Did it stop? Nope. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Should we leave that in? Um, maybe. I can't see anything that's hitting. The I can't see anything either. Let me. It's still there. Okay. Um, let's just pretend it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I'm going to laugh if it's something only on our end. And then when Andrew, wait. Motherfucker. It's Shenron. Shenron? Yeah. Yeah, it stopped. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of this little nuisance. <laughs> For a second, I thought your apartment ghost was... Uh, was fucking with us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're going to take a picture of this little nuisance so we can <laughs> post it on the Instagram. Assuming Andrew doesn't cut all of this out. Either way. Um, yeah. So either way, that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was invigorating. Yeah. Invigorating. <laughs> it was so rhythmic. I was yeah, convinced. that was the <laughs> thing that was like, uh, Poe, is that you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello? Some telltale heart bullshit. <laughs> anyway, so that's our excitement for the day. <laughs> if that's as exciting as today gets, I will be happy. I'm okay with that. I'm very okay with that. I, yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, uh, what are you working on today? <laughs> uh, today I am starting a, what I call a hippie hog. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the pattern I have is called, a hedgehog daisy by Julia K or Ka. Um, you can find her on Ravelry as 
most of the patterns I find. <laughs> um, but it's this little hedgehog. And instead of like the little quills and like yeah. spikes and stuff, him's got flowers. They always turn out super cute. They mm-hmm. do end up super cute. And I'm using this uh, variegated yarn to mm-hmm. give it like a little stripey feel. It's probably only going to be in the blue. Yeah. But um, it's by Karen Ombre. And I cannot find the name. Blush and Blue. Blush and Blue. That's a good name for that one. It is. Pretty it accurate. Is. But um. Yeah, I made a witch hat out of this. This is the same yarn I made my witch hat out of. Okay. Which I think I was working on last episode, but I finished and I think I said paper away. I don't know. <laughs> I'm bad about Oh my yarn. I know you is it the same one that you post pictures of on your uh page? Yes. Okay, then yeah. I even if you didn't send them to me, I know where to find them. So <laughs> I'm bad at sending pictures. I'm bad at taking pictures, so you're great. You're I'm, you're one step ahead of me. Oh, <laughs> Can you change color here? I do. It's the only time I need to change color. Well, that's good. Which is nice. That's nice. Not a million things going on. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I should probably get my life together. What is that? (laughs) Oh, fucking no. But we are just winging it, baby. Okay. Make it to the maker. Hells (laughs) to the yeah. All right. I'm going to look in my... uh, My... It's back. It's different. Okay. I don't have enough time for this shit. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Maybe something has to be hitting something. It, it's okay. I can ignore it. It's just it's the, fine. The days where we're quiet or the days, the times where we're quiet, it's just going to hit and we're going to be like, oh, if no. that noise was my dog freaking the fuck out. <laughs> he knows something we don't. Oh, <laughs> I don't like that thought. Yeah, I don't like that thought either. <laughs> um, oh, I need to move this. All right. So we are. uh <laughs> We are back to Krista hasn't looked at these notes in months, so let's oh. see what what in the fuck? <laughs> I... <laughs> oh God damn it. I fucking gotta stop doing this like this. Oh no. Um, uh, cause I okay, for some reason, for like the first two topics that I did, instead of like putting notes in a chronological order like a normal fucking person would. I like summarized each article that I did separately. Oh no. Uh, no. Okay. We're not going to do this one today. We're going to do a different one today. I'm going to have to come back to that. (laughs) Okay. Well, this one's all right. You ready to be depressed? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is definitely going to be a two-parter. I'm Um, ready to be stressy, depressy. Stressy and depressy. Anyway, these are also notes that I haven't looked at in months, but they at least make fucking sense to do. So, all right, baby. We are going back to the 80s. Um, oh boy. Yep. Starting in March 17th, 1985 in Rosemead, California. A little before 11 p.m., Maria Hernandez gets home and enters her garage. Now as the garage door is closing, she unlocks her, the door to her condo and hears a noise behind her. She turns around and sees someone pointing a gun to her face. Oh. Yep. This the, <laughs> That went from zero to a hundred real damn fast. <laughs> yep. As it usually does. Um, this person starts to walk forward a few steps, and as he's doing that, Maria brings her hand up to her face and says, no, don't. He fires the gun. The bullet hits her hand and deflects off of the keys that she's holding, which 
Hell yeah. Can you imagine like that random choice? Um, motherfucker. Can you imagine the chance that you just happen to be holding your keys and that f- protects you from a fucking bullet? That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So she falls to the floor and is still conscious, but does not move. The person just sort of moves her to the side and then goes into the condo, shutting the door behind them. Maria then opens the garage door and runs out. She stumbles and falls and hears a muffled, loud sound as she gets back up. She runs around to the front of the condo and sees her attacker trying to leave the complex. He points his gun at her again, and she puts her hands up, saying, You already shot me once. Do you really need to shoot me again? Whoa! (laughs) He ends up just walking away. And Maria goes inside the condo to find that her roommate, Dale Okazaki, is dead on the kitchen floor. Oh, no. Yeah, and she has her blouse pulled up. Oh. Yeah. Police get there, and there's blood spatter on the door leading to the garage. They find a blue baseball cap with the ACDC logo on it. (gasps) I know this one. I know this one now. (laughs) Yes. This is is one of those ones that we did record, and I'm going to refer— Oh, that's right. I'm going to refer to them as the basement sessions. The basement (laughs) sessions. The the basement sessions with Andrew um, that we said, hey, let's do this over again. So <laughs> um, there's a f- like a bloody phone in the bedroom, but there's just honestly blood all over. Mm. At the autopsy, they pulled a 22 caliber bullet from her head and determined that she had been shot from the forehead no more than 18 inches away. She had been in the kitchen, crouched below the counter and stuck her head up so she could see where the intruder was at. He had seen her hands as she was pulling herself up. Um, and ooh, words. And he was on the other side of the counter waiting for her to come up. And he shot her as soon as she did. Roughly an hour later, so a little before midnight, a man named Jorge Gallegos. In parentheses, I put look up pronunciation. <laughs> um, yeah, good job, me. Uh, was sitting in his car with his girlfriend in front of their home. He heard two cars applying their brakes. Uh, <laughs> apparently, in parentheses, again, I put screeching, sliding. But what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> what um, does it mean? <laughs> I always think of Nightmare Before Christmas when uh, Jack goes, interesting what? reaction. But, but what, what does, does it mean? mean? So anytime I say it like that, that is 100% what I'm quoting. <laughs> What's this? What's this? The fuck? The, the fuck? fuck? Okay. Squish um, it in the air. <laughs> so, uh, when he looked, he saw that a car with a man in it had forced another car to the side of the road, and this car had been forced to stop against another car in front of it. So it was almost like it was sandwiched between the car, a random car in front and the person who was forcing them off the road behind. Okay. That's how I'm interpreting it. Um, so... The car that was stopped was being driven by uh, Sai Lin Yu. She was then pulled from her car by the man as she struggled to break free. Yu starts calling for help, uh, which gets the attention of the another man named Joseph Duenas up in his apartment. From his balcony, she sees her struggling with a man. He goes back in to grab his phone to call 911. Once back on the balcony, he sees the man push her away and get back into his car. The attract the fuck the attacker drives by Gallegos, who was the first witness, um, who manages to see the profile of the attacker as well as taking note of the license plate. After the man leaves, Yu ends up crawling a bit before lying still. Once officers arrive, they find that she's unconscious but breathing at first. Eventually, she stops, and the cops have to give CPR until the ambulance gets there. Aww. Unfortunately, she's pronounced dead at the hospital. 
Uh, Silen Yu had been shot twice in the chest, and the autopsy later revealed that it was a 22 caliber bullet shot from the same gun that killed Dale Okazaki only about 40 minutes before. Hmm. Yu's last words were, help me. Oh, my God. I know. Um, I don't, oh. She had just been trying to get home that night, which I hate everything about this. Um, so... Sai Lin Yu was born in 1955 in Taiwan, and she was later buried there in Taipei City. She was in California studying at the Art Center College of Design located in Pasadena. She also went by Veronica, and I don't know if that's a name that she liked or preferred to go by, or if it was just the fact that it was, you know, the 80s and that white people do be white people and they don't know how to say names. Um, (laughs) So... I couldn't find a lot of info on her, which might just be my own. I don't know how to research yet, mm-hmm. but I did see her find a grave page and people still leave flowers on it. Oh, yeah. So 10 days later, March 27th, 1985, a man named Bruno Polo, who is a manager of two pizzerias that are owned by Vincent and Maxine Zazara, who are husband and wife. So, um, Around 8.30 p.m. on the night of the 28th, Polo heads to the Zazara residence to drop off the receipts for the day. He finds the screen door unlocked and the front door open. He rings the doorbell, calls for Zazara, but no answer. And he decides to leave the receipts in the mail slot, which is what he usually does if he can't get a hold of the boss. So then he leaves. Polo ends up not hearing from either of them by the next morning and decides to go check on him with a coworker. And they find that the door is still in the same position, so they go inside where they find the body of Vincent Cesara on the couch in the den. He had been shot in the head at close range while he was asleep. Maxine's body was later found in the bedroom, lying on their bed, half covered up by a sheet. Her shirt had been lifted up to expose her chest, and her pants had been pulled down to her ankles. She had been, sh- <sighs> yeah. um, she had been shot in the head and neck at close range. She had been stabbed in her cheek, neck, chest, abdomen, and the pubic area above her vagina. Her eyes had been cut out and taken by the killer, and they were Jesus never found. Christ. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I hate... I hate mutilation. Like, obvi- obviously, murder is incredibly bad, but, like, anytime a body is mutilated, I get an extra sense of dread in my stomach. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's fun. Um... So it's just, it's like, it's one of those things that for us with normal brains, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> brains that brains don't, that don't to this. go to that yeah. kind of brain space that it's just, it's so much, uh, it's, un, it's unnecessary. It's yeah. I mean, murder in itself is unnecessary, but to go more steps above and beyond is even more unnecessary. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, it's, uh, makes my, makes my, makes my tummy do flip in my, yep. in my guts. Yep. It makes it go. Blah, blah, blah. The worst for me is nails. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> it's discovered later that she had heard her husband get shot. So she went to grab her shotgun. And when the killer enters, she tries to shoot him only to discover that the gun is empty her husband had taken the bullets out when their grandkids had come to visit a few days before. Aww. Which breaks my heart because he was just doing the right fucking thing. Yes. Um, so, the bedroom and bathroom had been ransacked. It would be later be determined that the two twenty-two caliber bullets removed from Maxine's body had been fired from a gun that would be used in a later murder. 
Police discovered that a screen had been taken out of the patio window and a window and the window was then pried open. A bucket had been placed upside down underneath the window and then used to climb up the window. They also discovered footprints in the garden bed that were later discovered to be from an Avia's shoe, size 11 or 12. Um, oh, God, brain. Okay, so this, this is a weird jumbled order of things. I think it's partly that it's chronological and partly that I watched a documentary and this is how they talked about it next. So, uh, okay. Uh, trigger warning. We are going to talk about sexual abuse of a child in this. So, um, yeah. <sighs> and it's, this is a thing that I only brought up because the person that it happened to was willing mm-hmm. and open to talk about it. It's okay. Yeah. So, um, so she, I apparently didn't put her name for whatever reason, but so, she was six years old when someone opened her window and carried her out. Oh, God. Yeah. She was half asleep and didn't realize that she didn't know who this person was. Oh. Yeah. She, I I think, because it's been a minute since I've watched this, but I think she thought it was like a, oh, like my uncle or something, you know. It, oh, it, yeah. Like, it, oh, this is someone I know. Yeah. I can just, you, you know, know be, she's, be a kid, go back to sleep. And yeah, she's carrying me because that should know. be normal. Exactly. It should be normal and fine. But, um, so... They drove around in a car for a while and he has her open the glove compartment so she can see that there's a gun in there. Mm. He has her touch him. Um, They get to their destination and he makes her curl up and get into a duffel bag and tells her that she has to be quiet and not to mess with him. He takes her into some disgusting apartment and he sexually assaults her. So... um. Again, I'm only talking about this because she talked about it in the documentary. Uh, she doesn't go into graphic detail, but there's mm-hmm. definitely more that she does say that I don't want to say. Yeah. So it, you know, should anyone decide to go and watch it, just be warned. Like that's a thing, I guess. Uh, when he's done, he makes her get back into the duffel bag, back to the car, and he drops her off at the gas station and then tells her to call 911 so they can have her parents pick her up. Yeah. Um, so um there were more kids that were kidnapped, assaulted, and then abandoned, both boys and girls as young as four. And there is a younger cop who named Gil Carrillo, and he kind of had a hunch that it was all one person, but no one really believed that theory because it typically doesn't happen like that. Okay. Usually offenders have a profile that they go for, and they go for the same person over and over. It's never this sporadic. Yeah. So, May 14th, 1995. Around 5 a.m., there was a 911 call from a house in Monterey Park. It was a man, and all he said was, help me, over and over. Oh. I know. Um, So the ambulance made it there within five minutes. First responders found the security gate and front door open, and when they entered the house, they saw Eureka Lily Doy, who who motioned to her husband, who was sitting in a chair by the phone. He was unconscious and breathing with difficulty. William Doy took a few more breaths and then stopped breathing. They tried to save him, but by the time the ambulance got to the hospital, he was dead at only 65 years old. Oh. Yeah. He saved his wife's life that night by being able to call 911. Oh. Um, and I I did look into him more because I I only ever hear about like, oh, he saved his wife's life, mm-hmm. which is very yes, love that. Like, that is a mm-hmm. very good thing to know about someone. But I, like, that's all I ever knew about him. So I got curious and I looked him up more. So uh, 
William Doi had grown up in Salinas Valley. He had been placed with other Japanese Americans in a relocation camp during World War II because, oh. because I don't know how many people know offhand that, yeah, that was a thing. We just put Japanese citizens in internment or Japanese American citizens in internment camps because we were paranoid. <sighs> anyway. Um, oh, that's a part of history that it's, is glanced over so much. We yep. caught it. Yeah. But only just. So only just. Like, oh, these existed. Moving like, on. Oh, yeah. This happens. All yeah. right. Moving on to the big part. It's when it's like, wait, no, no, no. Like, no, That's no. just as is an important yeah. part. Like, don't. There, there, there is no country in the world, including the United States, that is spotless and hasn't done something that's uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. we need to learn about those uncomfortable things. Yes. And anyway, moving on. With knowledge comes power. Yes. And then the power not to do this shit again. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Um, he later joined the 442nd U.S. Army Regiment Combat Team, which was a highly decorated Japanese-American unit. He lived in Chicago after that and attended Northwestern University while working as a shipping clerk and supporting his wife and baby. He worked up the corporate ladder and ended up moving out to California in 1972. One of his bosses said that Doi was one of the hardest working people that he knew. Doi was part of the East Side Optimist Club, which I love that an entire club dedicated to optimism. <laughs> um, Similar to that Jester's Club yes, that we talked about last week. The silly little dudes. <laughs> just a silly little dude. This is a happy, just a happy little guy. Happy little guy. Um, so he loved golf. He loved the LA Lakers and he absolutely adored his four-year-old grandson. Aww. He would take his grandson to festivals, carnivals, and the beach. Um, he would have philosophical conversations with the reverend of the Buddhist church of San Francisco. Of Doi, the reverend said, quote, he worked hard and he loved his Jaguar, Cadillac, and nice home. But in spite of all that, he told me several times that we have to share our lives and thoughts with each other because in the end, that's all we really have, unquote. I love that. I, yeah. So, uh, William Doy had recently retired from his job as an international sales manager. May 13th, which was the day before he died, um, he had put a down payment on a family van. He told his neighbors about the vehicle and was telling them about touring the state. He and his wife were looking forward to living it up. Yeah, it's fucking breaks It's heartbreaking. Yeah. I don't like this. I know. I. Moving on, we're going to talk about um, his death now so i'm sorry (sighs) okay okay cool i'm prepared okay not really well i we're we're gonna pretend we're prepared yeah um william doy had been shot in the head with a 22 caliber bullet uh mrs doy was in her nightgown she had thumb cuffs sorry no you're you're okay uh she was in her nightgown she had thumb cuffs on her left thumb and her right thumb was bloody from uh god brain wow okay (laughs) She had thumb cuffs on her left thumb and her right was bloody from tearing up her thumb while like freeing herself from it. Her face was swollen and bruised. Um, what is a thumb cuff? So I'm going to Google this because I'm I'm going to assume that this is something that might be part of like kink community uh, or maybe not. Maybe ooh, professional thumb cuffs. What is the point of thumb cuffs? It's a metal restraining device that lock thumbs in proximity to each other. Um, so the, this picture has like handcuffs and thumb cuffs on, oh, Okay, I'm, I'm sure they have a use, but my brain immediately goes to like, that's a level of control that, uh, certain people like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, no, no judgment. <laughs> you do you. 
oh, there's a video about how to escape handcuffs in seconds. But yeah, I, I feel... I found a zip tie thumb cuff huh. and how to escape it. I'm going to Google, wait, no, their uh, purpose. I think it's to keep the hands closer just, together. Just closer. For, yeah. Because um, from what I'm seeing, it's like mostly an, an a dangerous inmate thing. Apparently, they are as effective as handcuffs. I'm still going to go with there are some weird people who are into this shit. <laughs> I, that's, yeah, it looks like there is a police use for this and that my original thought was not the right thought, but I'm still. <laughs> they, oh, no. Well, oh, no. <laughs> I found toe cuffs. Oh, no. <laughs> that's disgusting. Uh, Keep that away from. Uh, uh, I, I can't remember if we've talked about it on the podcast before, but I have like almost a phobia of feet. Like, I don't want them to touch me. My skin, like, burns. <laughs> oh. I So, uh, Tim's roommate is in a wheelchair, right? Mm. And so, there was one time, he's starting to get more feeling in his legs again, so he can, like, move his feet a little bit here and there. Yeah. So, there was one time, he just kind of, like, wheeled up to me and then just rammed his foot into my leg, and I was just like, no, 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 give me some space. I just... Don't do that. Don't do that. I. It wasn't even like his bare skin came into contact with my bare skin. I was wearing jeans. I just was having a fucking fit. Um, oh. So. <laughs> Gross. Disgusting. Okay, so. Disgusting. Disgusting. It was one of yours. Okay. Back to. Don't even know any of you know how to flush the toilet after you've taken a shit. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. Ooh. Okay. All right. So back to back to this unfortunate situation. Um, the house was ransacked. There were papers and books everywhere. Dresser drawers were open with clothes thrown around. Um, the point of entry was an open bathroom window. The screen had been removed and was sitting on the ground outside. Just outside the window, police found footprints from an Avia athletic shoe. Eventually, there was another abduction of an eight-year-old girl. And she had been taken from her house to a construction site, assaulted and set free. At the construction site, they find the same shoe print as one of the murders. Not enough to say they're for sure connected, but it's still pretty like, oh, huh. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, dear God. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I thought that was far enough away from the microphone. <laughs> Andrew's going to leave that in and I'm just going to have to live with it. Sorry, guys. I'm a heathen. If you didn't already know. I mean, I think that's been established. It's absolutely. <laughs> okay. So May 31st, 1985, a neighbor notices that there are a lot of newspapers piling up in the driveway of the home of 83-year-old Mabel Bell, also called Ma Bell, and her 79-year-old sister, Florence Lang. Oh. The neighbor knocked, but didn't get a response. The next day, he knocks again and again. There's no reply. But this time he goes in through an unlocked door. He found Florence in one bedroom and Mabel in another with a table on top of her. He removes the table and calls the police. Paramedics arrive and take Belle to the hospital. Uh, she had been taped to the bed, spread eagle with electrical tape. Oh. Her skull had been fractured. Uh, she had a black eye and there were burns on her body. These burns were from a lamp cord. The attacker had ripped the cord from the lamp, exposed the wires, and started shocking Mabel with them. On her thigh, someone had drawn a pentagram and red lipstick. And she ended up dying from her injuries a month later. Oh, my God. Yeah. A whole month? A whole... Yeah. I mean... That's... 
I, I don't know enough about the body to be like, that makes sense or not. But I, oh God, that had no, to been, It's not a matter of making sense. It's a matter of. That had to be intense. That like, was intense. That could have, that had to have been intense. Between, that had to have been. Well, and the fact that she uh, was 83. Like. Yeah. I'm sure while her body obviously was capable of healing, I'm sure it wasn't healing the same way ours would. Yeah. Like. It, it, I don't know. I think I'm, it's because there, there's a slower rate of healing. Yeah. Something. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a goober okay so goober things her sister florence was in the other bedroom where her wrists had been bound with electrical cord and a puncture and she had a puncture wound to her head two black eyes and a bruised face she had been sexually assaulted um she ends up surviving the attack in her room was a hammer with blood and hair on it as well as a pentagram drawn on the wall above her bed the house had been ransacked the killer ate snacks in the kitchen two bananas and a soda he also used Ugh. the bathroom without flushing. Yeah. I, um, DNA? Too early for DNA. Oh. By like two years. And even then, that's so fucking early. I don't know if they could do anything with urine. But um, so there was a partial shoe print found on an unplugged clock that was consistent with an Avia shoe. This alarm clock had the cord torn off and that had also been, that cord had also been used as binding. So, May 30th, 1985, before dawn. And this is a trigger warning for sexual assault. Um, Carol Kyle wakes up to a man standing over her bed, holding a flashlight and a gun. He tells her to get up and not to make any noise. He takes her to her 12-year-old son's room and handcuffs them together. He demands money and valuables and trashes the house looking for them. Eventually, he separates them, putting the son in a closet with his hands cuffed behind his back. He takes Carol back to her bedroom with a gun pointed at her head, threatening to kill her. He ties her hands behind her with a pair of her pantyhose and forces her to kneel with her head on the bed and covers her head with a pillow. He punches her in the back here and there and eventually orders her to get on the bed where he assaults her. Uh, when he was done, he brings her son back to the room and handcuffs them together. Before leaving, he says, I don't know why I'm letting you live. I've killed people before. Oh my God. Uh-huh. What a- fucking power trip that's what a disgusting way to have a power trip yeah it's like the whole i'm letting i i'm letting you i'm letting you this is my decision fuck ass um he also threatens to kill them if they call the police he leaves and they call the police because what the fuck else do you do in situations like this like this man just threatened me but also like motherfucker am i the what what the fuck else am i supposed to do yeah like what 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 do i do um so, uh, she described him as good looking, but smelled like wet leather. Yeah, <laughs> Gross. And oddly specific. Wet leather. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, June 28th, 1985. I couldn't find a whole lot about this, um, but her name was Patty Higgins. She was only 32. Um, he, the killer had cut her throat and then stabbed in the slash. Yeah, I just, I could not find a whole lot about it. Um, so Gil Carrillo was the de- detective, that, like the new detective cop, whichever, that we had mentioned earlier. Um, this is the first case that he works with Frank Salerno, who at this time he had previously worked on and caught the Hillside Stranglers, which is a, a famous one that happened down in California in the 70s, I believe. Mm. So mm-hmm. definitely worth covering. That's just another fucking gruesome one that like, mm, I'm going to need to be in better mental health to work. 
July 2nd, 1985, the neighbor of Mary Cannon, a 75-year-old widow in Arcadia, notices that one of her window screens is lying on the front porch and her newspapers are in the driveway. He knocks on the door and gets no answer. He runs back to his house and grabs the spare key that Cannon had given him. He and his wife enter the house but soon leave when they see the state of it and call the police. Police arrive to find a trashed house and Mary Cannon's body in her bed. Her nose was broken and both eyes were black. She had been strangled and stabbed in the neck and the wound was described as extremely lethal as well as similar to Patty Higgins. On the carpet, police find a tissue that has an Avia shoe print on it because this dude's messy as fuck. It's because he's leaving plenty of evidence behind, it seems. Yeah. He's not being cautious. Yeah. It's just they don't have anything to compare evidence to. So Uh, once they figure out, like, I can compare this man's to someone else. Then like, oh, okay, cool. That's that's going to come in handy. But until then, so. July 5th, 1985. A father is woken up in the middle of the night to find his 16-year-old daughter beaten and covered in blood. Whitney Bennett, who again is 16 fucking years old, woke up laying <sighs> face down on her bed, covered in blood. Oh my God. She had multiple skull fractures from being hit in the head with a tire iron. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, which the attacker had left behind. So that's how they know it's a tire iron. Um, she had been strangled, not enough to kill her, but enough to fracture her larynx. Um, she also had black eyes. Her physician later said, this is the most massive head injury I've ever seen. She had greater than 40 inches of linear lacerations crisscrossing in every direction on her head. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Uh, the exact number was 42 inches of lacerations and she needed 478 stitches. Police found yet another screen removed from her bedroom window and another bloody Avia shoe print left on her blanket. They also find bloody fabric marks on the windowsill and conclude that he's wearing some sort of gloves. Uh, they also never find a fingerprint any, at any of the scenes, so, you know, that tracks. Um, her room was wrecked. She did not remember the attack at all, uh, only going to bed before, which, thankfully, but also, mm-hmm. uh, Um after finding the shoe print, it's sort of another confirmation about Carrillo's theory that it's... Boop, fuck. Okay. Restarting that. After finding the shoe print, it's sort of another confirmation that Carrillo's theory is probably right about it being the same person doing all these multiple attacks. Um, that's when Salerno says, tell me everything you've got in your head. And Carrillo laid everything out and Salerno listens and he encourages the department to listen and take all of this seriously. <laughs> like this isn't a case of somebody who's like yeah it's not multiple attacks it's one person doing all of this weird shit mm-hmm. okay which so, in mm-hmm. like in terms of serial killer psychology majority of the time they have a routine that they stick to they have a routine they have a definite type and like he he definitely has his routine of like Breaking in via yes. the windows and mm-hmm. like doing the it yeah there there are consistencies in yes. crime scene it's just not consistencies in victim profile right and exactly that's very weird it's not it's not common mm-hmm. for for that from yeah. what I understand from yeah. the amount of <laughs> the amount of like TV shows and crime shows and oh, fictional yeah. and non fictional I've seen that's seems to be like a very rare occurrence yeah. and. Uh, I remember this one episode of Criminal Minds mm-hmm. um, where this 
guy was in this abandoned building and he was doing similar things. Mm -hmm. And they called him like a house cleaner because to him, he was cleaning out the trash. Oh. Yeah. And so I I don't know if that's based off of real psychology or real science, but in in my brain, it made sense. But um, sorry, I just lost my notes for a second. No, you're good. You're good. (laughs) And I'm wondering if that's applicable here, but. At the same time, fuck me. Okay. They're not it, the, the victim profile is all over the place. Oh he, yeah, it, it's at this. It's weird, gross, and awful. It's terrifying. Really weird and terrifying. Yeah. Okay, so July sixth, nineteen eighty five. John Rodriguez is asleep in his back bedroom. Uh, Lorraine Rodriguez was asleep on the sofa in the living room. She wakes up to a very loud noise and she thought it was her husband and called out because she was really annoyed and she thinks he's going to wake up the kids, which been there, fucking been there. (laughs) Get it. Um, There's no answer. So she knows right away that it wasn't him. Like, wait a minute. Like that's, that's not right. That's not right. Like your loved one is going to say something to you. Um, So she goes and gets John and wakes him up. And he does a sweep of the house with a gun because he's he's a police officer. So he, he knows how to sweep. Not with a broom. But um, he shouldn't. <laughs> help out wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got to cut the tension somehow. <laughs> right. So, all right. So um, they have a window that they never open because it's painted shut. But oh, okay. somehow it was open. Oh. Yes. Uh, they find a footprint in their garden and it is the same Avia print that has been popping up everywhere. Mm. So it's at this point the police start uh exploring the shoe print and like wow what can we find from this hell yeah so about fucking time yes eventually they determine that it's an avia shoe print which is not common at the time as they had just started manufacturing mm, okay uh they fly out to portland oregon to speak with the inventor of the shoe who in turn provides soles to use in comparison to any shoe impressions that they get it was an aerobic shoe size 11 and a half Survivors told investigators that the shoe was black. Uh, The inventor of the shoe also provides sales info. They're able to determine that only six pairs of black Avia aerobic shoes have been sold. Five went to Arizona and one went to LA. Um, They could not determine who had bought it after that. But there was still only one pair of these shoes in LA. Which you find the person. What are the odds oh, right? of you- that? Exactly. Holy Such shit. Such a heavy fucking populated. I'm going to have to fuck with this microphone. The ADHD is winning, guys. Sorry. Uh, my microphone keeps falling and I keep adjusting it and I'm getting angry. But yeah, so they <laughs> they only. <laughs> and that, that might not be as good as a fingerprint, but it is. Something. Pr- it's something. It's like we know that only one of these shoes is here in this mm-hmm. kind of city. So what the fuck, my guy? Um, That's when you just set up cameras all over the city of just like the streets and just watch for shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's shoes. I know it's probably silly and Let me just me being like shoes. Man, I, I have to wonder like if they could figure something like let's say this same exact situation happened today instead of in 1985 where probably cash was the most relevant probably prevalent method of paying. And today mm-hmm. it's like, wow, we pay for everything with cards or apps or shit. Yeah. Like obviously cash is still a thing today, but I- Not as much. I don't carry cash unless I know I'm going somewhere that needs it. Mm-hmm. Like I, so the, I- If I'm going to a craft fair, I'll give cash. Yes. Because I know. And, or any kind of festival or anything like yeah. that. Or yeah. like if I know I'm going to be paying at a restaurant and I think about it ahead of time, I will tip my server in cash because, you know, 
Yeehaw. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so at this point, they start reviewing older cases uh, and they come across the Bell Lang case as well as this. Oh, and Bell Lang, Bell and Lang were the two sisters. So like they had, right. it happened in like a different area so they hadn't connected it yet. But that's when they come across that as well as an additional case. So a man tries to kidnap a young girl. She fights him off and he drives away in his Toyota. Later that night, a man driving a Toyota gets pulled over for running a red light. He doesn't have a license. Yeah. He doesn't have a license. So the officer has him get out of the car and put his hands on the hood. Apparently, while talking, the officer jokingly asks, hey, you're not that guy killing people in their homes, are you? Oh, my God. <laughs> and the man says, no way. When are you going to catch that motherfucker anyway? <sighs> Spoiler alert. This is indeed the man killing people in their oh homes. Oh, my God. I, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I remember because I, I I got that tidbit of info oh. from uh, last podcast on the left when they covered Richard Ramirez. I remember hearing that and just going, are you fucking kidding me? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I bet that that cop feels a whole lot of guilt. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm, I, no, he, he couldn't have known at the time. Oh, yeah. There was no, no reason. I'm there not, was, I'm not giving this he, man He did shit. his job. He did his job. Yeah. And, but I, still, it's it's just very much one of those things where it's like, it's one of those things fucking there. where you look back, you're like, God damn it there's another one of the there's honestly plenty of those in this case where i'm like god Ugh. damn it okay so um the officer has the man wait there while he walks back to his bike to get the, his citation book over the radio on the cop's bike comes in a description of a man that tried to abduct the young girl earlier uh the man of the car hears this draws a pentagram on the window of the car and just books it hey, what's with the okay yeah the car ends up being a stolen car, and so they want to get the car dusted for prints and otherwise processed. The jurisdiction jurisdiction that took this... Oh, fucking Christ. Okay. The jurisdiction that this took place in said, don't worry, we'll handle it. Hmm. And they don't. Hmm. They store it outside, and they end up losing a chance to get prints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy just put her whole entire mouth on the microphone in disgust. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that this documentary pointed out is that you could commit a crime in LA and be across three different jurisdictions in five minutes. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. So, like, imagine having to butt heads with all of these different officers. Ugh. It's just so much red tape. So much I, I feel like that's bullshit. also the case in New York. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised, but... Again, I don't know anything. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. So. Okay, there we go. Sorry, I started scrolling because I was like, how far into my notes am I? I'm silly. <laughs> silly. Okay. Yeah. July 7th, 1985. Sophie Dickman is woken up in her home when her bedroom light turns on, which scares the shit out of me, especially if you live alone. Like <sighs> somebody should not be in there. Yeah. Like I, one, you do not wake me up by turning on my lights. <laughs> either, mm -hmm. either my alarm goes off or you're like, hey, hey, it's time to wake up. Hey. So like that just sudden, boop, the lights are on. That was pissed me off to begin that, with. That's how my mom would wake me up I as a kid. That. I hate that so much. Like as a kid, I didn't mind it. But like <laughs> as I go, went, got, went older. <laughs> yeah. You went to the older. I went to the older. 
As I got older and more into early teenagehood, like Mm -hmm. 12, 13-ish. Yeah. It like properly started to piss me off. And that's when I started setting my own alarm. There you go. Fuck it. (laughs) I mean, that's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, like, I don't like how this is happening. So I'm going to take care of it myself. Yeah. (laughs) That was a responsible thing. Okay. So um, a man points a gun to her head and threatened to kill her if she made a sound. He then handcuffs her to the bed, steals jewelry and money from her, and then sexually assaults her. Of this, she said, he put a glove in my mouth and a pillow over my head. He said, don't look at me. Well, I mean, that tracks because of his obsession with eyes, it seems. I I, I wouldn't call it an obsession just because if I remember correctly, it's only the one case that that happened in. But he definitely... Well, there was two because there's the one that he took the eyes and the one where her eyes were bruised. That I, I think that's less an obsession and more he was just beating the shit out of oh, her. Oh, that's fair. Because he, he is brutal with his victims. It, yeah. yeah. Um, that's just my guess. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so he leaves her handcuffed to the bed and she manages to push her bed up against the window to call out to her next door neighbor who works in law enforcement. Uh, when police get there, they find that the intruder had entered through a cat door that had been bent out of shape. They also end up finding- A cat door? Yeah. Those well, are small. Those are, those are small. Um, but I also have to wonder, they, they said it was bent out of shape. Maybe like, I don't, maybe they That's did some, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, they also end up finding an Avia footprint in the concrete. Hmm. So later that day, police get another call. Uh, Joyce Nelson's granddaughter, Colleen, was having her 14th birthday party that day. They get to Joyce's house and her son, Don, comes out of the house. His wife asks him what happened. He said that Joyce had been murdered. Uh, there was blood all over the bed and the floor. Uh, he said, quote, the last thing I got to see of my mom was all that blood. Oh, I, I don't like that. I, yeah, that's it. Ugh. That made my t- that made my stomach kind of just drop down into my lower intestinal region. Yeah, everything. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, everything is gross. (laughs) I don't really like how this is making me feel. I'm sorry. (laughs) We're, we're almost done with part one because I don't want to. Part one. (gasps) Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I told you the beginning. Oh, that's right. Yep. You did. I warned you that (laughs) one, this sucks and two, it's a two-parter. Um, but no, we're almost done with part one. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. So, um, Joyce had fought back hard. Um, the person that did this to her beat her. There were lacerations and cuts all over her, fa- her face, as well as the Navia shoe print. The fucker had literally stomped on the side of her head and left a shoe print. Uh, she had not been sexually assaulted. The family cannot escape this as it's on the news every day. Oh, my God. Um, Joyce Nelson was 60 years old. Her granddaughter called her spunky. Uh, she said that she had a spirit in her that helped her keep going in her life. She was a single mom that had... Uh, bought her house on her own and cared for her family. Her son said that she would do cartwheels in the front yard all the time. She had a necklace that she always wore that she was going to give to her firstborn granddaughter when she passed. Police believe that the person who did this did not satisfy his need or want for sex by killing Joyce Nelson. So he killed her and then went and assaulted Sophie Dickman the same day. Okay. Uh... July 8th, they get a call from Laurel Erickson from NBC. And she knows about the shoe print somehow. 
So in exchange for not broadcasting about the shoe print, she got an interview about the case. And they still to this day don't know who the fuck told her about that. But that become that's that's a fucking media in many cases, including this one, is a thorn in thorn in their sides. Like <laughs> okay. So around this time is when they hear back about the car and how they can't get prints anymore. But they do search the car and they find a business card to a dentist. And they find out that he had been in just five days before, and they likely could have apprehended him had they obtained the car sooner and known about the appointment. Anyway. Uh. But they're able to get their hands on the x-rays from this person, and Creo asks one of his personal friends, who is a dentist, uh, what he thought about these x-rays. And his friend says, like, oh, that dude's going to be back. He has an impacted tooth, and that's painful. Oof. Yes. Uh, so... They leave two plainclothes officers in the dentist office, anticipating him to come back. And they were there every day for days. Eventually, a higher up in the department thought that they were wasting money and this guy isn't going to come back. So they just have the LAPD put a robbery alarm inside the dental office so they can sound the alarm when the guy comes in. June 15th, 1985. This is the very first day that they pull the plainclothes officers out and have the alarm in. Creo gets a call from the office saying, where were you and why didn't you guys come? Oh my God, what? The suspect had been there that day, but the alarm malfunctioned and they miss him. <laughs> it always comes down to money. It is obviously not always. It's not in every case, but there are so many cases where somebody makes a decision because, oh, money. And then, wow, we could have fixed that. We could have solved this, motherfuckers. Yep. Okay. So that is where I am leaving off for today because I feel like I feel like we've had enough disappointment for one day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, Ooh, I gotta leave a note. All right. Okay. Yep. How how far did you get in your? Pretty far. I'm Hell about yeah. halfway through the body. Your, your face. Oh, he got a little. I love his little nose always. No, the nose is always so great. And I use the. Uh, mm-hmm. The yarn mm-hmm. threads, instead of weaving them in, I just use them to stuff the nose because yeah. it's easier than trying to even out the polyfill. That definitely makes sense. So I just kind of stuff the little yarn ends mm-hmm. from the color change in your, in your nose. And she's you, squishy. I need the serotonin of that. Oh, that's a good nose. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. <sighs> All right. Well, what are you going to be working on today? So many frogs. Frogs? I, I'm trying to go back over things that like, wow, I've started this project and I've worked on it and I've almost finished it and then I put it down and started another project. So I'm trying to finish projects. So these are all the frogs that we had worked on that one day together. So oh, I'm going to finish them. So they look good. So yeah. Well, I'm excited to see the frogs. Um, so for... My end today, we are going into part three yeah. of my longtime series of Skinwalker Ranch, aka Flesh Pedestrian Landfill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've uh, put the word landfill in there before, so I fucking love it's the Flesh Pedestrian Landfill. <laughs> 
So to give a quick recap on everything that's happened so far, we've been focusing on the family of the Shermans, uh, Terry and his wife, Gwen, and their kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, They bought this ranch, wanted to make money. A wolf murdered one of their cows, tried to chase it off, could not shoot it, could not kill it, disappeared. A lot of weird things happening around the house. Uh, Orbs of light, things being misplaced, holes in the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, where we left off, was the thing that made that put Terry over the edge, which it would also put me over the edge, um, was he was out on his porch one night, mm-hmm. uh, one of the orbs of light, and his dogs were going fucking crazy over this thing. Oh, yeah. And I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, they ran after it, and it kind of, the light disappeared for a second, and, he, and uh, Terry was like, fuck yeah, I win. Fuck you, blue light. And then his dogs yelped out in pain. Mm. He was too scared to go. Next morning, he went out there, and there were two little pounds of flesh where they had been vaporized, seemingly. Mm. And uh, then this big shot billionaire, uh, Robert T. Bigelow, mm-hmm. bought the place, and we're going to pick up there. Hell yeah. Okay. So, we're going to back up in the timeline slightly, but we're not going to focus on the Shermans themselves. Okay. So... The year was 1995. It was March. So roughly 27 years ago to this month. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I keep forgetting it's March because it's so fucking cold and it's making me so upset. (laughs) Um, But it was this month that the National Institute for Discovery Science was was created, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. NIDS. NIDS. And I put it in my nose. (laughs) Sounds close to NADS. NADS. (laughs) Let's go NADS. Um, and uh, so this was due to Robert T. Bigelow's fascination with the paranormal and supernatural, more specifically UFOs. He was fascinated by them. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily unhealthily obsessed, but mm-hmm. just I want to learn. Yeah. Um, and so because of his wealth, he was able to pour funds into this project and into this team and create uh, a very pristine put together team that was equipped with all the equipment that they would have needed to capture things and all that stuff. And that's when he. Sorry. I'm like, Oh, I made noise. It's all good. Um, But yeah. So his whole thing is that he wanted to put this together to team to deploy them all over the U.S., kind of like an international Ghostbusters kind of thing. Ghostbusters. Well, not international. National? Yeah. <laughs> what are words? Um, but this this group was the first of its kind, and it's was the first to be an official, fully funded group solely focused on supernatural and weird shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they weren't like a Brax Zagans kind of... <laughs> Brax Zagans? Zach Bagans. I love that, though. <laughs> Brax Zagans. Brax Zagans. I love that. So they weren't, like, that kind of, like, you know, group of guys chasing out ghosties, come at me demons kind of thing. Come at me demons. Um, These people had PhDs. They were professors. They were scientists. They were all over sort of uh, different types of fields. Uh, Bedtime stories, uh, one of the main sources that I got from all the information uh, listed uh, that they were biochemists, astrophysicists, and veterinary scientists. Okay, scientists. hell yeah. No, I love to see it. I love, because yeah. then it's like, well, what's this thing? We don't know. Well, somebody might have an answer. Yeah, somebody yeah. might have an answer and a logical answer at that. Um, and when I first heard veterinary, but then it made a lot of sense because what's on a ranch? 
animals. <laughs> um, so, uh, why did I put ter- the word tertiary there? I, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, the vet was there to like figure out the Moomoo's behavior mm-hmm. and like just, it was interesting. And I, I had a real appreciation that they included veterinary science yeah. in with this, the study of this, of the uh, flesh pedestrian landfill. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he didn't bring on people that were either full-on non-believers or full-on believers. He brought on healthy skeptics okay. that were dedicated to do this to the uh, dedication to science and okay. evidence and learning things, doing things in a proper scientific method. I really like this. I know people probably like roll their eyes at like, oh yeah, scientific ghost hunting. But like you, if... <laughs> If we're going to claim that it's real, then we need to be able to back it up. And yeah, I think it's exactly. good to try. And like, this is the way to do it. It's the proper way. Um, they only wanted to look at the facts, but at the same time, not throw things out the window just because things didn't line up and just put on a, oh, it, it was the wind. It was the house. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so to quote bedtime stories, all in all, NIDS would comprise of more 25 members, the majority of which were the scientific community, mm-hmm. but would also include security security personnel recruited from former military circles. Two of the most prominent members of the scientific team were physicist Eric Davis and biochemist Colm Kelleher. And <laughs> I, I don't know if there are any Red Dead fans out there. I am a big Red, Red, Red Dead Redemption fan. But every single time I hear the name Colm, I think of Colm Aldrishko. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I respect it. He was a he was an outlaw. Oh, he was he's a cowboy. Him was a cowboy. He was a cowboy. Him, him got shot. But <laughs> oh no! But uh, fictionally, of course, this yes, is a fictional yes. character. Um, but yeah, shout out to all my fellow Red Dead players out there. If y'all listening, which probably none of you are, but. Yeah. Shh. It's fine. It's fine. Somebody's listening. We are manifesting this bitch. Manifesting. So yes, Red Dead players are listening. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so back to the real calm. Uh, he was actually the one who uh, wrote the book on the ranch called Hunt for the Skinwalker alongside a journalist who specialized in UFO reports named George Knapp, but more on them later. Okay. Um, You can get this book on Amazon for about 15 bucks. Uh, I wanted to buy it, but (laughs) poor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some other important names that came up in other sources was a guy named Edgar Mitchell, who was an astronaut, a uh, parapsychologist, Hall Poop, Puthoff and ufologist Jacques Vallée. So back to Nitz. Uh, eventually, Bigelow heard about the Shermans through a newspaper mm-hmm. and uh, met up with Nitz. He had a whole meeting. He had like a board meeting to talk about. And it's like, hey, this might be a thing. This might be the first thing we do. Yeah. Let's go for it. Hell yeah. And they thought it would be a good way to like privately study and do this scientifically because it's already okay. a like marked off area, fenced mm-hmm. off area. It's fairly private. There are neighbors, but further enough because it's a big ass yeah. ranch. This, you know, this is a pristine, not pristine, but this, a this is a real ideal. Good, yeah. yeah. This is an ideal place to do a field of study in the realm of paranormal. So and apparently Terry was pretty upset about being bought out and uh he essentially like didn't really want to leave before knowing what was 
happening. He wanted some sort of closure. Okay. And uh, wifey wasn't having it, but he wanted to do what was best for his family, especially his kids, because they were being really affected by all this too, like yeah. with their grades, their school, sleeping patterns or, and habits. You know, it was just all bad. Um, but and I've noticed that like we hear a lot of happen- what happened with to Terry and you know, a little bit to Gwen, but not so much to kids. Why? I don't know. I got lazy. Didn't look into it. But- okay. Well, also they were minors at the time. That's they true. They might not That's have true. Want- like I, I know... I try to avoid too much info on minors until they're adults and can speak on it. So like that might just be part of it. And uh, I haven't got that far in the story where if they've spoke about it, Mm -hmm. they haven't, but I will find that later. Anyways, um, they did go from one ranch to another, which uh, I don't know about me, but I personally look into a career change. I, you know, yeah, but, I can understand giving it another shot. Yes, me too. Know, in a different like, place. Maybe this is just a bad place. Yeah. But after that, after that, <laughs> if it's still bad, go run. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the official investigation began in September of 1996. They bought some cattle for bait and observation, which makes me a little sad. I'm not a big fan of it, but simultaneously, uh, I get it. It's science. I know. And uh, according to the the documentary, like there's a, also a documentary called Hunt of, Hunt uh, Hunt of the Hang on, what is it called? Yeah, Hunt for the Skinwalker. Um, and uh, basically they said, and I I watched a lot of some most of it, but there are things that happened like like this was published in 2018, so uh, there are more things that that duck will hold but yeah. anyways simul- they, uh, uh, Nids did everything that they could to make a ruckus they moved things they lit campfires they uh, put bulldo like they ran bulldozers all over the land uh, they did everything to quote put a bullseye on their back end quote and boy did it work okay okay Um. so there were a couple of things that happened when they first moved in uh, the first was they ran some tests on the environment and uh Terry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, of course, had to rule out the fact they, they had to rule out if Terry was just straight up lying okay. to them. Yeah. And uh, that's valid. That's definitely important. It is. So they wanted to see if there was something there that was like maybe causing hallucinations or if it was in the water. In the water. <laughs> in the water. Um, and to quote bedtime stories, uh, these were some of the questions that uh, Nids was asking. So to quote bedtime stories. Were there any fault lines running across the property, creating a situation of mild tectonic or seismic stress, which is thought to bring uh, or cause light anomalies in visual hallucinations? To which the point I uh, initially pointed out in part one that someone did theorize that in the basin, uh, the noise was coming from a fault line. Yeah. So I looked into it again. And uh, there are case studies that are like, being brought like between presenting symptoms of hallucinations connecting to like earthquakes. Okay. Uh, there's apparently this thing that your brain does called phantom quakes, which is connected to anxiety. I think it's similar to brain zaps, but, uh, and like for, for me, like I, as, as someone with anxiety, I get the brain zaps. Yeah. And the best way I can describe it as is it kind of feels like somebody's putting like a little electro node in the back of my, in the bottom back of my brain. Mm-hmm. And like it kind of sits like sends like a little electric jolt from my brain down 
to my down through my torso. Okay, so I gotta say, like as mentally ill as I am, I don't think I've ever had a brain zap. They're gross. I, I don't like them. That sounds awful. I it's, feel like I'd remember if I had one. It's also very connected with hormones. Okay, which makes sense because I'm not hormonally the best. Yeah, put together. <laughs> but um. So it was hard to find the articles. I did find that where there was some like academic studies mm-hmm. where I had to, you know, buy them. But uh, there are studies out there, but nothing conclusive that I could find on a surface level. Okay. Um. So anyways, those tests, nothing. There was nothing connected to any sort of like psychosis. And there was no sort of hallucinogenic plant okay. on there. The, the soil wasn't bad. Uh, one source uh, did say that uh, it took a while for there to be... Uh, something that they could catch other than the lights. And uh, this was a calf that they discovered. This was the first thing. Okay. Um, And this was unfortunately discovered by Gwen. So uh, the reason why Terry and Gwen are still a part of the story is while Terry didn't live on the ranch, he didn't man the ranch. He uh, wanted to be the manager. Of it. Okay, I guess. And Nids agreed because they didn't know. They they were scientists. They didn't know anything about ranch handling. And Terry also wanted somebody to believe him. Okay. And he wanted to be like, did you or did you not see that? Please tell me. (laughs) No, that makes sense. That Yeah. Um, So they were, uh, him and his wife were off tagging animals, putting ear tags on cows. And uh, Gwen put an ear tag on one of the calves. And, uh, and I was kind of surprised to hear Gwen was helping, but I would imagine a small part of her also wanted some closure. Probably. Yeah. Um, She's felt crazy for mm -hmm. how long did they live there? Like years? A couple years. Jesus. Yeah. Like something's been off since day one. Like I fucking want answers to, I'd want to know that I'm not fucking crazy. God damn it. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, this was on March 10th. Uh, she didn't often come to the ranch, but again, she wanted to help. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so she tagged this calf that was about 300 yards away and uh, went to join uh, Terry and the others to help tag the other uh, the other calves. And there was a dog, another dog. Mm. <laughs> um, there was a dog that was with the team Nids. I don't think this was Terry's dog. Okay. But uh, all of a sudden it started to growl and, you know, do dog things. Its hair stood up. It went on full on defensive Ooh, mode. Yeah. And when they wrong. looked in the direction that the dog was growling at, they saw a mama cow that was really acting weird and odd. She seemed dazed, almost drunk-like. Okay. And uh, so they went to go see what was going on. And that's when they found that the same calf that had Gwen just- had just tagged about 40 minutes ago. I would like to reiterate, uh, 40 minutes ago. Okay. It was alive and fine 40 minutes ago. Oh, God. Okay. (sighs) So this cow, the organs had been removed. Oh, my God. The blood had been drained. What? And there had been no evidence of anybody that had tampered with it because everyone else was in sight and tagging other cows. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Um, And I looked into it. And uh, I was like, okay, if Terry is by any chance lying and doing this for attention, money, because he couldn't be a ranch hand or whatever. Yeah. Um, for a for a good butcher to break down a steer carcass, it takes about four hours. Yeah, that's a very time-consuming process. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? 
And to quote bedtime stories, the only thing that remained were its heads. What were its heads? <laughs> Two heads. Two heads. The only thing that remained were its head, legs, and spinal column with some of the rib cage intact. Motherfucker! That was it. No. Uh, it was also missing an ear, which looked like it had been sliced off with an extremely sharp, precise instrument. Oh my God. Most perplexing of all, there was not a single drop of blood on the grass around the animal. Also, the ear that was missing, mm. that was the one that was tagged. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So they, the, in the tag itself, it was nowhere to be found. They couldn't find the tag. The fuck? Mm-hmm. The fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of go back was like, well, maybe a really, really good butcher could have done it in that much of time because it was a smaller calf. Not like that. No, no, no. 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 There's no way because another source said that this was about like still 40 pounds of meat and organs, even though it was a, a smaller calf. It's still like- It's still a lot. And for there to be no blood and no mess- yeah, that's the big thing. Like, mm-hmm. even so, even when you get like um, meat that, like the steaks that I have to break down at work, the blood is drained, obviously. So you're not like, you don't have anything that's just like bleeding out on your mm-hmm. cutting board, but there's still fluid and some kind of like blood that leaks out, you know? Right. There's, there's, there's no way to do this spotless. No, ever. there's not. <sighs> so, this yeah. is, it's very weird to know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. for once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, with NIDS being there, uh, the the veterinary uh, that was on campus uh, came and looked at the calf and was just completely dumbfounded. He was astounded. There was he had no scientific explanation as to how this could happen. Um, he's toyed with the idea of a predator, but there's no predator that is efficient enough that could do this without making a mess or do such clean cuts. Exactly. And Terry couldn't have done it because he was with them tagging other cows around the ranch. This time around, and this was everyone, they noticed a very strange, musky kind of smell. Uh. And so they were like, all right, this is what we're here to do. Let's do work. They took samples from the calf and started to search the area for any tracks or signs of how this could scientifically and logically happen. Mm-hmm. Um, NIDS had built three observation towers, like similar to the ones you see in like the old jail movies or at the old like mental, mental institutions, the okay. really tall towers. Oh, like watchtowers. Yeah, yeah, similar yeah, yeah. to watchtowers. And uh, they each had these uh, chain link fences going between them all, like to kind of like surround the ranch a bit. Okay. Um, and at each of these watchtowers, they had kennels with dogs in them. Then NIDS brought these dogs along because animals in general tend to have instincts on things that- We don't. We do not. Yeah. They, they're they able to detect things in a different way. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were like, they, they called them their, uh, oh, what did they call them? Their uh, like biosensors. Okay. Um, because they're just things that, that they have different instincts than we do. Um, so while they were looking around to figure out what on earth happened to this calf, uh, they walked by one of the kennels that the dogs were in. And um, I also was just like, with the history this place has with dogs, and like, uh, it makes my makes- heart break a little bit. And I was just, I would never take my dog anywhere oh. near this oh. property. Yeah, same. Like, <laughs> But anyways, when they walked by the kennel, the dogs were huddled in there and not coming out. They were freaked out on something and 
They found out what. So the next couple of days on March 12th, um, this was close to midnight. Uh, the dogs started going crazy mm-hmm. on the far side of the ranch. They were howling, barking, being just like, hey, 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 there's something over here. Mm-hmm. And these were the same, you know, these are the same dogs. These weren't these weren't just dogs that were just like, you know, howling at the moon, yeah. being dogs, they weren't new. barking at things. Uh, these were the same dogs that have been cautious and careful mm-hmm. in their enclosure for the past couple of days. Yeah. So Nids and Terry gathered up in his truck and went to go investigate. Um, and this truck had one of those floodlights on the roof. Okay. So you can kind of see you what's going see on. Far, like, like walking dead kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they came to a dead stop when they saw what looks like to be a large animal by a group of cottonwood trees. Okay. Side note, I hate those trees because in May time, they release all their like little cotton ball puffs and they make my sinuses go. Ooh, yep. They, yep. the, mm, I don't like those. The don't best. like those one bit. Nope. Um, Terry said that he could see this thing and that based on the size of it, that it looked like it could have weighed in between like four, three, 50, 400 pounds. Okay, yeah. This thing had yellow eyes. Uh-huh. Another source that that these could have been these yellow orbs as well, but mm-hmm. that that's kind of what some of the NIDS team initially thought that this, these were the lights. Okay. But turns out that they were eyes. Oh my God. As they were connected to this giant thing, dark creature. <laughs> and uh, so Terry did Terry things and he grabbed his wife and his rifle. Fuck yeah, Terry. And took an aim at the beastie. And I think this is the moment where Terry found the courage he wished his he wished he had on the nights his dog died, and he shot at this thing, Good. stating, "I'm not going to let them take another calf." Aww. After the shot, this thing still did not move a muscle. Motherfucker, not again! It continued to stare at them from the trees. When the echo of the gunshot subsided, the eyes or orbs went out, and the group everyone heard the thud. When it, when it, of something hitting the ground. Okay. So, of course, they went to go check it out, went to go investigate it. This was about 40 feet away from them. Nothing was there. What the fuck? Nothing was no, there. No, that's not how this motherfucker. Ah! <laughs> uh, so they spread out, which, if horror movies have taught us anything, is Don't a dumb move. Don't fucking do that. But I get it. And they searched the premises. Terry then saw the thing again. It could have been a different one or the same one. Either way, he started to the team. I see him. Shot at it two more times. The team, of course, ran to join them, join him, and they heard some rustling, rustling in the bushes and branches ahead of him. Uh, Terry remarked on how there's no way he could have fucking missed it. Yeah. To quote bedtime stories, it looked like a huge dog, but bipedal. Oh. And for those who don't know, bipedal it means like you're doing, you're, you're standing on your two legs. We as humans are bipedal. Is it bipedal or bipedal? I don't know. Either. I always read it. I've as, heard it bo- both. Okay. I've that's one of those words that I don't hear often, but I've mm, read it plenty. Yeah. And my brain always says bipedal. Oh uh, okay. I don't, I don't know. Bipedal. Him working him, him <laughs> walking on two legs instead of four. <laughs> <laughs> At their man's bipedal. Bipedal. Um, so they searched around the area for about two hours. They couldn't find a carcass or any trace of blood, anything. <laughs> They did find something else. No. They found footprints. Motherfucker. Huge footprints that were about 14 inches wide. 
40 what? feet away from each other no, mother- in width. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And with the impressions about this thing had at least two or three six inch claws. Mother, no. Um, which like we're talking like Jurassic Park raptor claws kind of claws. Some dinosaur bullshit. And what one of the scientists says that this that these footprints are very avian like, which is fucking hilarious because there's this whole like dinosaurs are birds theory. Yeah. And so like. There's just the, I, my brain went to. They just have a secret raptor paddock where, and sometimes like, and, and you like, gotta let them out. Yeah, let them out. Yeah, they gotta let them out. They got stretch little leggies. You know that that's a crossover I would read of aliens. Oh my and god, dinosaurs! Hell yeah! If somebody has a fan fiction out there, send it to me, please. <laughs> Especially if it's spicy, spicy. <laughs> Give me the spice. Um, but when I rented the documentary, also, there are apparently dinosaur bones in the area. So th- there's just uh, aliens out there resurrecting dinosaurs. I, no know, big deal. Just for funsies. Just for funsies. Like, why did this go extinct? Hmm. Let's find out. <laughs> oh, maybe we should have left it extinct. Well, time to zap it back up in our spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple of, couple of weeks passed. There's nothing major to note. Um, but all of the animals on the ranch itself were acting uneasy. Okay. On edge, like they didn't like, they just didn't like what was happening, what was going on. Okay. Um, I scrolled way too fast. So the next incident was April first. This was another cow incident. Okay. Um, a calf disappeared. No blood. No body. No anything. It was just gone. Okay. So the next day is one of the most famous days on during the during Nids's time on this studying on this land. Mm-hmm. So Gwen and Terry were driving by uh, the corral and watched their prized Angus uh, black cows. They they kept them on the ranch because their new ranch didn't have the room for them. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. They mm-hmm. kept the prized cows. I know. The it makes no sense. The big old Angus cows at the creepy, scary places. I don't know why they did. Cows. Motherfucker! I know. I know. Made no sense to me either. Um, I was like, Okay. But, uh, so, and the weird thing is, as they were driving by, they were, uh, going to, like, put some fences up for, uh, some other cows that, like, were ready to give birth, and they okay. wanted to, like, get, have, have some more enclosures for calves. Um, and as they were driving by, they, uh, both, like, the cows, like, almost watched them drive by, and Gwen made a remark that she hopes nothing happens to them. Oh, no! <laughs> you left. <laughs> Your prized, most expensive Angus cows mm-hmm. in the cow dying place. <laughs> and then you said, I hope nothing bad happens to them. Uh-huh. That's like if I decide that's that's like if somebody was like, here, toddler, here's a pair of scissors. Hope nothing bad happens to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not even safety scissors, like Not just, full just on scissors. fabric fucking... scissors. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to comprehend. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like here, kid, run with these. <laughs> and I'm and I'm sure it's easy for me to comment on this because I have no idea what their scenarios. Are. I'm right. sure they've heard this enough, and they're like, "Yeah, shut the fuck up." Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah, they go and build these fences, which take about between one source said forty minutes, another source said an hour. Um, when they came back, those four bulls had disappeared out of the enclosure. In a panic, <sighs> Terry ran out of the car to go look for them, and he did find them. Alive. Uh, oh. 
he there was this old trailer that hasn't been used in ages and they were in a line huddled together as if they were in a trance or a daze like something was wrong with them oh my god they were just standing in a row not like piled in there like to chill out like oh this is cozy they were lined up like in a picket line oh god um and when terry found him he shouted out to gwen he was like hey i found them they're over here the bulls all of a sudden snapped out of their days Mm-hmm. And when they did, who boy was it rodeo time? Because they were panicking. Oh, of course. Like they completely destroyed the interior of this trailer oh and, uh, you know, kicking moo and trying to get out. And of course they kicked on the door and ran outside. Uh, it took Terry and the NIDS team a couple of hours to coo and calm them down and get them back to the paddock. Jesus. Um, when they inspected the trailer, there was just no way, no way that in 40 minutes to an hour that these four giant-ass bulls would go in there linear that's, and calm. Yeah, that's not... That's it's just, not. No, it's, it's just not. It's not a normal. It's not a normal. Not a normal. Um, And there's only one interest between the corral and the trailer, and this was wired shut. Uh, the fuck, okay. And in the, this door hadn't been used in a while, and it was dusty and cobwebby, but there was no signs of the dust or cobwebs being tampered with. Or there's what no the like fingerprints or anything. How one thing they did find hmm. uh, the the bars on the corral were oddly magnetized, especially near the beginning of the corral. Huh. And uh, the magnetism faded over the course of a f- like 48 hours. Okay. And there's no real explanation as to why these should have been magnetized in the first place, um, or how these bulls got in the trailer because there was no way they could have gotten out. All mm-hmm. the doors were locked. Everything was in its proper place. So they added that to their list of things to test for, which was magnetic fields. Mm-hmm. Um, later on in April, <clears throat> Colm Kelleher, Kelleher? Kelleher, uh, was checking out some tracks. Uh, he was just, you know, looking at them. And he started smelling that musky scent again. And he started feeling really on edge. Like the hairs on the back of his neck started to prickle. Mm. And he had that feeling of being watched. Mm. And so he, he there was a teammate that was like out like in the distance and uh, who was also checking out some things by the tree line. Oh, excuse me. And uh, they, he asked like, did you? feel anything weird out there and he's like I smelled something musky and felt like I was being watched so the two felt the same thing <laughs> and I looked up like what natural things have a musky smell to them mm-hmm. and uh, the Man. list was civet cats which if you look in your messenger I sent you a picture I of was a civet wondering cat. oh my god it's- I was I was sitting there on a breakfast date and I was fucking looking at it I was like I so Tracy sometimes sends me pictures beforehand. I don't want to look up what this thing is because I don't want to ruin the picture. But like, what the fuck is this? It's a civet cat. She's like, that looks like it's part hyena. Isn't it cute though? It's, yeah, it's adorable. Yeah, and I want one, and I want to name him Fernando. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fernando the civet cat. There are other two animals that have that musky smell are sperm whales. <laughs> no. <laughs> And beavers. Could you imagine just a rogue sperm whale floating <laughs> through the... <laughs> just like, yes, I have figured out how to levitate. Do, 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 do. Wee, I'm on wee, the ranch. Wee, wee. 
Um, and another thing of beavers, uh, which I looked up where beavers can be found. They can be found in parts of Utah. But I feel like a team this scientific would be able to find beaver tracks and point them they, out. Yeah, they would. If you have like, yeah. Like, especially if they have like a biochemist, a if they veterinary. Are... Motherfucker. <laughs> I got the erectile dysfunction. Motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Hey, it just, I'm trying to tighten it and keep it tight. And it's like, mm, no, girl, no. <laughs> okay, bitch. Um, also, like back to the civic cats. They're not cats. They're closely related to mongooses. And uh, they're like mostly in uh, tropical Asia and Africa and just tropical forests. Okay, so nowhere relevant. Mm, no, no, but I want one. <laughs> they're so cute. I, okay. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm obsessed with these things now. I need to learn about them. That's fair. Uh, back to flush pedestrian landfill. Um, <laughs> Um, Cole Mossel said that his, while he was out there looking at the tracks, his compass was acting weird and like pointing towards the direction of the scent rather than, you know, where it was supposed to be pointing. Mm -hmm. So I <laughs> apparently have a typo. Oh no. <laughs> I, I was supposed to write, I wondered about electromagnetic things, but it came out as electro mango. Electric mango. <laughs> I want, can you draw like an, like a, a mango with lightning bolts coming out of it? Probably. Like, <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Instead of superhero static shock, it's superhero electric mango. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I looked it up and because we've mentioned that electricity can fuck with your senses. So I did a quick Google search to find out like exactly why. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, here's what Google says. Electrical injuries can cause immediate neural psychological disorders, uh, sequelae such as changes in orientation, anxiety, mm -hmm. temporary emotional instability, and memory disorders resembling traumatic brain injury. Okay. It's also called a schizoaffective dis disorder, and it can be induced by electrical voltage, which is I, I found really interesting. That Which just also makes like, me think of shock treatment. I know. Okay. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking <laughs> I was like, too. I'm like, boy, that's making it worse. Yeah. yeah. Like they didn't, they didn't know. <laughs> they I mean, didn't know. I and can, I appreciate. The, I think the, it's still a thing that some people use today. If it's, I don't know. I, I maybe, don't know. In, I don't fucking know. I'm dumb. Don't, don't mind me. Maybe I'm not dumb. Maybe I'm just it, not like, informed. Counteracts it or something. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. fucking know. Two, two negatives do make a positive, I guess. I don't fucking know. Especially in the science world. Especially, you know. Mathicals and science. Mathematicals. I just said mathicals, like it's a testicle. <laughs> <sighs> Mathematical testicles. Mathematical. Now I just want to watch Adventure Time. Me too. It's a good show. Anyways, uh, throughout the few months, uh, weird things continued to happen. Mm -hmm. um, nothing of major, like, note. Okay. Uh, but the next big one was in early June. Colm and Eric were out on a stakeout checking out one of the biggest hotspots on the land. And they uh, briefly saw this blue orb mm -hmm. uh, by some trees that promptly disappeared. So they went to go check it out, had some dogs with them. Um, and they were taking pictures of the, you know, night sky, checking things out with night vision goggles, sciencey things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when one of their dogs started to act skittish and cower down. Um, Eric was startled when and said that he saw this huge black thing in the trees blocking the sky. 
Uh, Colm didn't see anything. Uh, Eric was the one with the night vision goggles. Um, but Colm pointed his camera towards the area to try and get some shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, to quote bedtime stories, Colm continued taking shots while his teammate suddenly announced, it got me. It's saying we're watching you. Eric kept muttering, Jesus Christ. And I put in parentheses, honey, he's not there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, honey, no. Honey, no. Uh, Muttering Jesus Christ over and over as if he was experiencing some inner turmoil. Speaking of good old J-Dog, I uh, I got some help from the nice old Mormon, the not old, the nice young Mormon boys upstairs. Oh yeah, they helped carry your box, right? Yeah, because I, I decided <laughs> I want to bring so much crafting shit today because we're hopefully just going to have a day after this because we just need a day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like, cool, I'm going to work on so many things. And they're like, hey, hey, do you need help? So like thinking, man, if you knew the weird shit that I said about you. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, kind Mormon boys, for helping me carry this box. <laughs> they have their moments. They have their. This is a moment that J Dog was there. J Dog being Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, J Dog. Um. So he kept muttering Jesus Christ over and over again as uh, until finally the object was moving away. When the ordeal was over, Colm asked Eric what had happened, and he replied that he didn't know. It was almost as if the thing in the trees had taken over his mind. <gasps> end quote. So. Of course, after that, Eric was really on edge, seemed really off, which is valid. I'd be wigged out too. This would probably make me, I don't know, leave. Yes, <laughs> most certainly. Um, and this is why I don't do out go out and like do science thingy things. But uh, over the summer months, uh, the lights were present, but NIDS couldn't really capture anything because they said that these things were always like just one step ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, in the summer. Uh, not in the summer. Summer was showing signs of ending. And in August, around three in the morning, something really terrifying happened to the NIDS team. Mm. Uh, there were two researchers named Jim and Mike. They were on top of the ridge looking down at the homestead. Okay. Uh, Mike had infrared binoculars and Jim had like scanning sciencey thingies. Um, so this is 100 feet below them. They noted that there was a light in the pasture. It wasn't a blue orb or anything like that. Uh, to Jim, who had the scanning stuff, it looked like just like a little light. Okay. But with the infrared goggles, Mike said that this thing looked as bright as moonlight. Oh, shit. Um, it looked like this thing was about three feet off the ground. And they could <gasps> see the closer that like Mike got a look at it. And just like Terry, he thought he could see some light on the other side. <sighs> he explained it as like it looked like a tunnel. Oh my God. Jim wanted to see, but Mike was almost like in a fixation. He So he was like, I'm not giving these to you. And he's like, I, you, I, can't, I can't keep my eye. I can't take my eyes off of this thing. And that's when he said he could see something crawling out of this tunnel. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. He's still not there. <laughs> God damn it. That took me a second. Like, what do you mean he's not there? He just came on the tunnel. Oh. Uh, yeah. Quote, to Mike's utter disbelief, he could see a huge black featureless figure crawling on its elbows. Uh, I lost my place. Crawling on its elbows and knees from the other side of the tunnel. In parentheses, I put another source stated that this thing was also estimated to be about six feet tall and 400 pounds, similar to the things that they saw when Terry and the Nids boys went. Uh, oh, my God. Went in the truck. Yeah. Jesus. Um, 
And then he witnessed it climb out of the tunnel and run up the side of the ridge, moving faster than humanly possible. Both investigators heard the shale crunch under its feet as it ran past them about 30 feet away before it disappeared into the darkness. Oh my God. That was from Bedtime Stories. uh, A science followed and the musky smell returned. No, not again. Then that's when the light dissipated. They went down to the, they went, they climbed down the ridge and uh, to go check out the area where the light was and the smell was really strong. And uh, Jim's scans picked up alpha, beta, gamma, and X-ray radiation. Motherfucker, what the fuck? Side note, when you said the musky smell happened again, I thought of sperm whales immediately. I just thought of like a levitating (laughs) sperm whale coming out of that thing. Like like, that one? Here I am. Like that one Disney Fantasia animation with the whales in the sky. I I love that. I think it's from Fantasia. Fantasia 2000. 2000, yep. Yeah, that was the newer-ish one. The 20-some-odd-year-old one at this point. Yep. Oh, God. Help. I used used to watch it, like, probably, not as often as other movies, but probably about once a month with my mom. Yeah. Because it was one of the tapes we had. It was was a good one. It was a good one. tape. Motherfucker. (sighs) Anyways, the radiation pretty quickly dissipated and there was not much else that they found in the area. All the pictures that they did take were very shitty and they were unrecognizable. Um, They set up some security cameras in the hotspot in the ranch and in July, kind of going back in the summer, Mm -hmm. uh, in July, they were all mysteriously damaged at around uh, 8.30 p.m. at the same time. What the fuck? Um, They were found with wires ripped out of the cameras, but nothing was caught on the cameras themselves as to what could have done this. Oh, that's... Okay, I hate that. Mm -hmm. I fucking hate that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so nothing was caught on camera that, like, what damaged these things. Wait, what do you think is creepier? Like, nothing caught on camera, just suddenly your camera cuts and you're like, wow, what the fuck is causing this damage? Or you see something coming and you know it's coming and you know that your camera's about to cut and you're like, what the fuck? Fuck. Because I originally I was like, no, that's terrifying. I don't like that more The with the just it cutting. But I, I feel like the second one brings up so much dread. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I'm thinking I'm going to go with you the second one. There yeah. is a anxiety of not knowing what's happening and not being able to see the thing. But at the same time, there's a different kind of anxiety of being able to see the thing. And you so know it's coming and, and you, you know it's coming. It. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that one's more terrifying now that yeah. I put thought I, into I it. have to agree with you on that yeah. one. I if if I know something's coming, it's more anxious. Yeah. More more yeah. anxiety, more fear inducing. Whereas I don't know if something's coming or not. And I just mm. Bro, that's why like Kind, kind of relevant, kind of not. But anytime somebody posts those memes on Facebook, like, oh, do you want to know the day of your death? No. No, I don't want to know how I die. I don't want to know when. I'm not about to, like, live my life in constant anxiety. Yeah. I've already accepted the fact that one day I'm going to die. I don't... Just let it happen when it happens. I don't need to yeah. know. I don't okay. need to know. I don't want to know. Yeah, I really I don't. I will continue to live the life I want to live until then. Exactly. Damn it. Um. Anyway, uh, so... Yeah. Um, and throughout throughout the summer when there was kind of like they kind of hit like a pocket of no activity. Okay. <clears throat> After the thing with the craw- the thing that crawled out of this portal tunnel. The sperm whale with legs. The <laughs> <laughs> the uh the activity just kind of stopped. Okay. So they Interviewed some people in the surrounding areas, and uh, there were still quite a bit of ranch hands. 
<clears throat> that had issues with uh, cattle mutilation, seeing lights, uh, seeing things in the sky. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, there were four neighbors of the Shermans that said, we don't believe Terry's stories. Okay. Um, while simultaneously saying, yeah, we've had cute cattle, a few cattle <laughs> we've, mutilations. We've had all of this shit happen, but fuck the guy who said all this other shit is happening. Right. And, well, and when I was watching the documentary, apparently the locals are very hesitant to talk about this. It's I okay. I think they don't want to seem crazy, and they're yeah. like, "If I admit to this being true, then I will be just as crazy as Terry is." Yeah, and exactly. So, uh, and I will have just the amount of the same amount of scrutiny that Terry has gotten, and I don't want to be that. I'm trying to, you know, live my fucking live life. my life, yeah. be a rancher, do all the things. Um. So Nids was on the property for a total of six years. The things I mentioned above is really the only activity that they quote unquote captured. For years after that, it was dead. Mm-hmm. Again, no activity. It just went silent. Um, and this is not what they wanted. You know, it seemed like after the portal incident that they just kind of stopped and they wanted to be there and study and get evidence. Mm-hmm. So, and according to the documentary by Jeremy Corbell, um, they did also have this guy. That he, they, they tried to come and This is George Knapp, the co-writer of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to come, have him come and visit, try and trigger some activities. And... Uh, so, and this is when I learned what the triggers are. And there were campfires, strangers, mm-hmm. noise, and moving the earth in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, so, they used George Knapp as bait. He he said he, he nothing really happened. They just kind of like gave him a lawn chair, stuck him in the middle of a hot spot, uh, gave him a campfire, and was like, all right, good luck. Could and pointed you, a camera on him. Could you imagine being bait? <clears throat> uh, like, sir, you have to pay me a decent <coughs> amount of money to do this. I wouldn't like it. Yeah. I would be like, mm, like, well, I no. definitely have my emotional support yarn tonight, as well <laughs> right. as a shotgun. Right, hmm. right. It's my boomstick. This <laughs> is my boomstick. <laughs> God, I haven't watched that in years. Me neither. So good. But uh, so yeah, but he's still like George Knapp. Even though like nothing happened to him, he's still a very strong believer in the things on flesh pedestrian landfill. Okay, good. Um, so they left the ranch in 2022 and in 2000, not 2022, 2002. I was very confused. Oh my God. They left the ranch in 2002 and in 2004, Nids was no longer. Uh, Robert Bigelow stated that while they got some like good shit and good experience during their year there, the resources that he was pouring into them with nothing like tangible, that it just wasn't worth it. He says he's very open to bring them back whenever the need arises. Yeah. Um, but right at that time, there was just no need for them. So like all these pictures, reports, whatever, not a whole lot on them. They're being kept very secret and safe by Robert to this day. Uh, but even so, mm-hmm. the team said that they didn't really have any concrete evidence to bring forward because every single time they would get something, either a camera would malfunction or it would be a personal experience or something had been tampered with or moved. Yeah. Whatever is out there, does it, not it's smart enough to be like don't fucking look at me or talk about yeah. me yeah exactly it's you are not going to learn about me you are not going to expose me to the world and i'm going to keep doing my nasty shit over here to my to these poor cows there, there are just things that we don't understand and we don't need to understand like i do want to understand them because i'm a human being and mm-hmm. i'm curious and that's my nature but like there are just some old things that we don't need to know about right exactly and so 
So comes the conclusion of the flesh pedestrian landfill I, with I, NIDS, but does not end our story. Oh, God damn. Okay, okay. I'm about this. I It's, uh, it's long. It's, I love a deep dive and I love details. So like if anybody's bored of this, sorry guys, but uh, no, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, so hype. <laughs> I will bring part four to the table soon. And yeah, I've yeah. got 48 hours left on the documentary that I rented on Amazon. It was only like four bucks. I that I could afford. Yay. Because <laughs> I also get paid today, but <laughs> yay. But um, Kenobi, you're standing on my foot. He said, woof. <laughs> but yeah, so I will continue that and we'll release that next week. Fuck yeah, dude. And, I oh yeah. my god, I'm so hyped. <laughs> I'm so fucking. What do you hyped. What do you think of the story so far? I the just, Shermans and the Nids. I love <laughs> the Nids. I love the Nids. Also, I love that the acronym is Nids. It's just fun to say. Yeah. But I love the fact that they exist, and I love the fact that they how how they approach this. Like this is a very yeah. scientific thing. Um, but I, also still a very scary thing uh, and like terrifying. The I. And to put yourself in the middle of this when you know like, okay, it's killing cattle, which are significantly bigger than I am and heavier than I am. Like, the fuck? Yeah. That's, I I love it, but it also, it's terrifying. It is. It is. And in the documentary, uh, what's his face? Colm Mm -hmm. is actually in the documentary and he doesn't look like one of those, you know, bug-eyed, f- f- giant, poofy hair, conspir- <laughs> conspiracy theory, yeah. looks stressed and on caffeine 24-7. Guys, yeah. he looks like a very put-together scientist. Okay, yeah. And he speaks, uh, he speaks with a verbiage of knowledge. Okay. And it's very much one of those things where the, the his approach and the verbiage and the way he talks about it makes it easily believable. Okay. And... Because it's very much, again, they took a very scientific approach. As they should. And I, again, there are things that I don't know. I think there are some things that Terry might have exaggerated on. Probably, Um, but like. That's my, that's my own personal opinion. But. I I mean, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Honestly. uh, So it's. Exactly. Yeah. And with that being said, I think that the things that the Neds experience there. Cause well, I was talking to our friend Ryan. Hi Ryan. Hi Ryan. <laughs> and uh those like because uh we're a one car family and sometimes Cam names the car. Mm-hmm. And uh Ryan was picking me up from work and he was like, Are you recording tonight? And I'm like, yeah, I'm continuing Skinwalker Ranch. And he made the comment of how this place goes from hyperactivity to nothing. to nothing for like years and then boom activity again yeah so um and i was like yeah it, it is really odd and so unfortunately nids was there for like the tail end of all of this activity yeah and continued to be there when there was just nothing like they poured six years into this place and only got Damn. evidence and experiences for the first one of it yeah. So they were there for five years, you know, doing things, trying to find things and had nothing to report. So I feel like if this was faked anyway, if this was something to be exaggerated, I don't think that I, I've I've had my fair share of liars. I don't think and, that family has the means to fake that to that extent. No. Especially if no. they're like, well, I have to fucking move to another farm and mm-hmm. I'm fucking shit out of luck because I'm out of money. Like, I don't. 
they could there's there's maybe exaggerations here and there but definitely not yeah there there's definitely something there and i would also like to point out that the thing that crawled out of the portal sperm um, whale with legs sperm whale with legs is very representative of what a flesh pedestrian looks like according to the Ute tribe. Okay. Um, and I've, I've noticed in the documentary that I rented on Amazon that uh, they they focused a lot on like the lore with that, that came from the Utes and they mentioned that, you know, they're all very hesitant to talk about it because yeah, even saying this thing's name can give it power. And it's just fascinating how it's crossed over from these creatures that are disgusting and creepy and supposed to be like these evil shamans mm-hmm. um, combined with UFOs. Yeah. And that's I the- just, and it's fascinating because that's where like technology comes in to where we can figure out what's going on with these things because, like, you know. People like forever ago when us humans were still fairly primitive and mm-hmm. figuring out how the universe works the way it worked, we, uh, you know, came up with gods and explanations well, of we needed these answers. different things. We needed answers. We needed to understand. And the more technology has grown, the more we've gained an understanding. So I'm wondering if, like, it's because the more of technology growing, that we're gaining a bit more of an understanding of what's going on in this place. Yeah. And uh, I also, to I just, give the title mm-hmm. of this place, I, I'm not going to continue to say it, but uh, just a friendly reminder that this ranch and the whole basin is considered to be, quote, in the path of the skinwalker, end quote. That's right. And <laughs> it's just... <gasps> and to for that kind of like portal thing to happen... And for it to walk that path, for, for for somebody to see it, walk the path, walk up the basin, and then disappear mm-hmm. at inhuman speeds is mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. terrifying to me. I, mm, But there's something about that place. I'm just, see, I'm fascinated with it. Okay, and I, I love, pl- so my... It's it's definitely a fascination in the sense that I want to learn more about it, but I have not had the proper hyperfixation yet. Um, the Bridgewater Triangle out east. Yeah. yeah, that's another one you should do. But I've just I'm fascinated with the fact that there are places like this. Like I think Shasta mm-hmm. Mountain is another one that has weird activity. I a can't. lot of a lot of like nature re Area, la- yeah. areas out west are just cursed (laughs) it seems without like for lack of a better terminology that my brain is not allowing me to have it just it it seems like a lot of those places out west and a lot of national parks just have odd disappearances odd things like i remember here i i don't remember the exact uh details but i remember hearing about this lady that went hiking Mm -hmm. at this place and you're not supposed to hike at this place alone and she ended up getting lost and dying out there. Mm-hmm. But she was only two miles from the trail. I, okay. And like, I know like in that, that's. There's, there's a lot to be said about what panic can do to you. That's true. That's and true. There's a lot to be said about like 
when you don't actually know how to survive in nature. Well, that's just it. She did. Okay. That's, I got questions. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have questions too. I need to look into it. I forget all the details, but you know, so I could very well be wrong. She yeah. could have not have had the knowledge of nature and, you know, panic could have very well ensued. So I, I'm not a hundred percent certain. Okay. But um, from what I remember, she was fairly knowledgeable on how to survive out in the wild and it's just one of those weird things where like like yep okay. yeah I don't know I you know it <laughs> but that, that's something I'll have to look into yeah. after this whole series um after after a uh, flush pedestrian landfill, I'm definitely going to go back to ghosties for a minute because yeah. cryptids and UFOs are, the more I'm digging into this, the more fearful I'm getting. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh no. I mean, well, that's why. So I, I, I love uh, heavy cases. I love, I, I just have a morbid curiosity mm-hmm. and I wish I didn't. Likewise. But like, eventually I'm like, cool. Yeah. Um, we're going to tell a survival story or I have plans in the future to, um, probably review like over the garden wall or gravity falls or even the owl house that have very creepy undertones. So it's kind of on brand, but I can Mm -hmm. take a break for my brain. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And I'll have to find like some sort of lighthearted ghosty story, which there's not many of them. But after, after the series is done, cause who boy, it's heavy. Yeah. And it's a lot, a lot. It's a lot. It's so much. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, how are the frogs? Um, so I have completely finished one. So they started out as like the bodies that have the, I'm doing pride frogs, Um, the bodies that have the flags. And then I had to make the eyes and the belly and the, uh, so the cheeks and the face uh, on. So there's one that I'm completely done with and one that I have the belly and the eyes sewn on. I'm about to do the face and the cheeks. So they look so good thank you, thank you. I'm thinking because I'm also half looking at crochet patterns because I'm not at a loss of what to make but I I'm tired of making bees and tiny dinos and I understand that they sell but like but I want to make something else yeah and I just found this tiny ass little oxalotl and I'm like <gasps> oh my god and also old things that I've come across because we're um pushing forward with like renaissance themed markets yeah um, not going to give the details on that quite yet because it's still very much in the planning process. I can't wait but for those though. I'm trying to find like fantastical kind of things. Okay. And uh, which like the little uh, flower hedgehog hippie hogs I, I think would do well there. But I am also finding like unicorns. Yeah. And dragons. Oh my God. I just found an alien. Oh my God. I'm going to have to make one. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Voidlings, I am hungry and we've been talking for two hours. This is probably our longest one yet. Fuck yeah. Sorry, Andrew. Uh, No, we're not. (laughs) Mildly sorry. Sorry enough. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when Andrew makes a mental note. Okay, fuck off, Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We we love you all. We're going to just exist because our brains fucking need it. So. I'm going to crochet. Fuck yeah. And probably eat some junk food. Fuck yeah. Because I don't care. I worked for four, fu- three fucking 14-hour shifts. I got you, bro. It's going to be okay. We got this. All right. Um, Remember, kids. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, do I have any life advice? No. 
No, I don't. I don't know why I'm looking around the room. <laughs> like looking for it. <laughs> 